Welcome to the Black Wolf Media Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Evans. This is a show where we dive into the stories of black entrepreneurs and business owners, and we talk about their brands and entrepreneurship journeys. Let's get into this episode. The second client came as a result of me networking when I worked at that company. So, and then subsequent clients from there was generally with me networking. Um, And then I was, I started thinking how everyone says it's so difficult to meet CEOs, especially of significant companies. Like, you know, if someone's doing let's say $100 million of revenues. I mean, that's not a huge company, but that's, it's a mid mid-sized company and, and it's big enough and complicated enough that those CEOs are very busy and hard to get a hold of. So, yeah. so I thought, um, I had this client, uh, he was probably doing over, over 50 million, somewhere between 50 and 70 million on his way to a 100. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you know, I had been working with him for a couple of years and I asked him at, at the end of the end of the year in December, I said, how do I double my value to you? And he asked me if I could each month take a CEO out of a significant company and interview that CEO and then come back and tell him what I learned. And he, he said he didn't have time to do that, but I would be more valuable if I could do that. So I literally yeah. started doing that. And uh, then he told me he wanted to build a board of directors. He put six people on a board. I placed from my network four people on his board. And uh, one of them was the first black CEO of a major corporation. Uh, he was CEO of Ben & Jerry's. Uh, okay. I had a couple of uh, another former CEO of a, a mid-sized bank, uh, and then I, you know, I had some other people who were heavy hitters, you know, uh, finance and marketing. <clears throat> and so I saw how that board was beneficial to him. So I, I thought, what if I could commercial commercialize that? And I created something called the Board of Veteran CEOs. So. <clears throat> Instead of me going out and networking at other events, I literally created my own event, own events and they were only, you had to be a CEO of a company with revenues between 100 million and $1 billion. So, and to make sure it was very valuable to them, I invited former CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. So I had former CEOs of Chase Bank, Dun & Bradstreet, Xerox, Harris Hotel and Casinos, uh, New York Life, um, and a host of other companies. And so you figure you get the older, more seasoned, possibly retired CEO of a Fortune 500, and he sits down with the younger, you know, 40, 50, early 60-year-old CEOs, and they talk about CEO problems. And it was it was an excellent value proposition for CEOs. And it gave me a huge opportunity to uh, network CEOs and make them my clients. So my answer to your question, I know it's a long answer, 
Uh, no, you're all right. <laughs> I created, I, you know, I, I I took this notion of like people do lunch and learn, and it's a way to net, you know, build your own network, invite people to uh, educational lunch and learn. So I just did it over a breakfast, and it was exclusively for CEOs. Yeah. Okay, and and so, how did you qualify? You know, the people that you were like. How did you qualify the CEOs that you were? inviting to the event like how did you gauge you know which ones could make it into the event and which ones couldn't uh, are your revenues 100 million dollars at a minimum that's it okay if you're not doing 100 million dollars you can't come in the door okay and what and what was the reason for that amount because uh middle market ceos generally do not those companies do not have the budget of a fortune 500 company so they can't pay uh, a coo half a million dollars with stock options so they have to be more creative the thing is even though they're smaller they have a lot of the same problems as a fortune 500 they just don't have the budget to solve it they can't pay there's a top consulting firm called mckinsey and mckinsey you're not going to hire them for less than a million dollars. So these middle market guys, even if they're doing $500 million, they generally can't afford what the Fortune 500 can. So I thought if I went after them, they have complexity and they may not have all the tools to solve it. So that's why I brought them former CEOs and, and other CEOs who would be their peers and they could talk shop. Gotcha. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. And so once like, you know, what kind of conversations did you guys have? Like once these events started happening, what were some of the conversations you guys would have? Uh, talking about post integration strategies, how, you know, we, uh, a company acquired 28 different companies over, you know, over 18 months now you have all these companies from different companies and they're, you know, they have the territorial, right? They're not working as one organization. So now how, so now you're not maximizing the reason for buying all those companies because they're working against one another. So, so how do you integrate them and become one organization? Um, that becomes a problem. Some, sometimes finance companies may have been dealing with regulatory issues um uh how do you get your uh your top level executives to see that the economy is changing there's no such there's a new normal thing the dust is not going to settle and things won't go back to normal so you know how do you deal with those things uh how do you differentiate yourself in the marketplace uh who do you who do you want listen I was talking to former CEOs who would have been 72, 75 years old. And when I would talk to those former CEOs, every last one of them, I asked them, who do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> yeah. They would laugh and they actually answered the question. Uh, so, so they would also ask the younger CEOs, you know, what do you want to do? Like, what's next for you? All right. How much longer are you going to be a CEO? And uh, where do you want to take the company? And 
so so those those kinds of questions um you know how do you brand yourself as a ceo so that you want to do other things whether it's run another company or or just sit on boards yeah okay um did you ever like have you ever had a time where you know you had to like this might be a weird question for you, but have you ever had a time where you just had a client that you had to let go of? Like, has that ever happened for you? Um, I've told clients that I was going to fire them. Yeah. I, I would say, hey, we need to have a really tough conversation, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about firing you. And they didn't want to be fired. So it was okay. So how do we work this together? Um, uh, I had a client once who was, this guy was a, he was a smart guy. He was in his early sixties. He, uh, he was, he had, he was a CPA. So, you know, he was well credentialed, but he started working in, in a very different industry. And he had to do more sales was his production was sales. And every day he went to work and he, he was waiting for them to fire him. He's just waiting. Yeah. And he hired me. And at some point, uh, I, you know, I had a book that I wanted him to read on, on sale, a sales methodology. And he wasn't reading the book. So I said, Hey man, let me see that book. <clears throat> Took his book and calmly walked over to the trash can and I threw it in the trash can and I said, if you're not going to read the book, he said, you can't do that. I said, you're not reading it, man. So leave it there. He's like, no. I said, look, if you're not going to read the book, I don't even understand why you come to see me. And he's, he got the book out the garbage, said, you can't do that. I'm going to read it. I promise. And he read the book. And uh, in his first three months of working with me, he doubled his productivity. Wow. In the next three months, he doubled that number. And so now, instead of him going to work worried about getting fired, his company was saying, whatever you want, we'll give it to you. You you need more support. We'll give you more people. And he actually ended up getting interviewed by three of his uh, competitors. They were courting him. And he chose, he chose one of, he chose, he left the company. I mean, he was at a, it was a big company publicly traded, but he went somewhere else because they yeah. him a better deal. But he was that productive that he was able. And, and you got to think this guy was in his early sixties. So uh, when it comes to transformation, your age is irrelevant. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so like, what was the difference between the pro- you know, his product, his productivity, you know, at that point in the beginning stages and then the productivity that he had after he finished working with you and got hired by his competitors. Well, you have to figure if you're going to work every day and you're having a conversation with yourself about how they're going to fire me. uh, This is difficult. It's hard. Uh, I go, he goes to see potential clients and things are not working the way they want. And, and maybe he, he goes after smaller accounts. And uh, so that means he has to do even more work. So by working with me and developing 
a new mindset. And, and I don't want to make it seem, it's not like it's a simple thing that you just, yes. I can do it because I actually dig deep with people and help them understand their mental barriers and why they won't go beyond a certain point. Like this guy was extremely personable. He was the guy in a business deal who could break the ice. Like he get mm. everyone feeling comfortable. Like he would have everyone comfortable, everyone. But then he didn't know how to shift gears into business. So basically what he would do is get everyone comfortable and then he would drop the ball because he's mm. still trying to be this highly personable instead of shifting gears because he's sitting at a table with heavy hitters. Yeah. And he's still being, you know, kind of lighthearted, funny, you know, he, he's he's good with that. He know he's a master of that. So what he and I did was found out why he even started that behavior in the first place. And and even though it worked, it was a trap. You, you know, I think what was it? Spider-Man said, This is my my blessing and my curse. Mm. One one of the Spider-Man movies, he said his blessing. Uh, I think it was the first one. Yeah, this is yeah. being Spider-Man is my blessing and my curse. Yeah, and, it was the first one. Right. So this guy, his blessing was that he could make everyone get comfortable. His curse was he all he knew how to do is make people get comfortable. He couldn't he couldn't get the deal going, so he couldn't even close it. Mm, okay. So, so when he and I looked at why he first started doing that, we found out that it was something that happened when he was 13 years old. And once he could see that, damn, I was still being a 13 year old, even though I'm like 62 years old, when I get put in certain situations, I go back to that day when I was 13. Oh man. And I get stuck. All I have is one gear, make everyone like me and that's it. Mm. So once I got him to unlearn that and gave him tools, this cat could go to the table and he do his, you know, everyone is feeling good. And then he start talking business and people were right with him. So he was able to talk deals, close the deals and people like they liked doing business with him. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. That's an awesome transformation right there. Okay. Um, Okay, Ted, man. So one of my, um, I would say one of my last questions, man, is um, how can people get in touch with you? You know, whether it be through social media, email, how can people reach out to you, man? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, and I, I actually have a YouTube channel. Uh, in my older videos, you can find a lot of stuff, uh, videos I've done talking about leadership, the difference between managers and leaders and changing corporate culture and all those kinds of things. Uh, and I even did a, you could say, a breakthrough for myself because I wrote a book called Here's Why You Can't Find Love. And all the things that I use in business, I, I turned it into a... Basically, the book is about five women interviewing me, and I'm really yeah. using my methodology for business, but you never know it because I'm talking about relationships, but I'm talking about mindset and how people sabotage 
intimate relationships. And then we start talking about how do you really create a great relationship, not a good one, a great one. Uh, yeah. So uh, the book can be found on Amazon. So uh, you could find some of my videos on YouTube dealing with intimate relationships and business all, all in one place. Um, and I have an email address, which is T like Ted Santos, S-A-N-T-O-S, at turnaroundip.com. IP is like intellectual property. Okay. Well, there you have it, guys. Man, Ted, thank you guys for allowing me to interview, man. No, it's been my pleasure, man. You asked some really good questions. Thank you for that. Thank you, man. I tried my best, definitely. Um, man, before you get out of here, man, would you mind leaving the audience with a nice message? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to say all, all the limits, all the limits that you have are technically not your own limits. These are limits that society has imposed on you. And I don't care if it's a limit based on your skin color or your, your gender. The world has told you in advance from a very young age what you can and can't do. And you do yourself a disservice once you believe in those. But once you can start to peel off and see that those limiting beliefs are not real, you can actually start taking actions beyond what society uh, told you to, the ways in which society told you to limit yourself. Yeah, that's solid, man. Like what, what you just said is really making me want to really sit down and reflect. <laughs> Good. That that's that's solid. So I I'm sorry I, I I'm gonna just add something to this. Yeah, go ahead, man. We talk about the black community, and what's what's missing for the black community is not all these people who have great jobs. You know that's well done. What's missing is black economic power. In mm. black economic power, the way you know you have economic power is you start to own natural resources. You own the oil well. You own iron ore mines and copper mines and gold mines and water and land to grow food for your people, salt mines. Like you own these things, which allows you to do a few things, right? You can control the price of oil because if you own the oil wells and then you build the refineries, you're, you're hiring people to work on the oil wells, and that's, that's a lot of different jobs. And if you own oil wells in different places, then you build refineries. Those, that's a lot of jobs for that. And then you, you create, uh, you transform oil into gasoline. So now you have gas stations. You have the black station, right? Uh, and you just created this, what you call integrating an industry, and you can create there are over 6,000 products that are made from oil. I'm not saying you have to make all 6,000. Yeah. I'm saying that you can make gasoline, motor oil, transmission fluid, petroleum jelly, plastics. There are so many things. And you now, instead of saying, oh, the Middle East is raising oil or the U.S. is, is like, no, we have economic power. We control the pricing and we hire our own people. And we train our people. We hire people who are well-educated, well-credentialed. And they help us train the next generation coming up. 
That's how you create economic power. And you take that economic power, you take that money, and you start using some of it to rebuild communities or build communities out in the middle of nowhere um, that support your business. Yeah. You take another portion of that money and you hire lobbyists and you, t- you ask those lobbyists to write laws that are favorable for your companies and for your people. You want tax advantages. You want, tr- uh, you, want uh, you know, better trade agreements with other countries. Uh, and, and now you can make laws that protect you and your community. And that mm. now, now you are governing your own community instead of someone else writing laws that govern your community. You write the laws that govern and protect your own community. Man, you just gave a whole bunch of game. <laughs> a whole that's, bunch of game. But that's that's the breakthrough. That's the next level. Yeah. If 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 we're not having that conversation, then why are we talking? Right. So my my work and my commitment is is to transform people so that they can actually charge full steam ahead to accomplish these kinds of things and and work with companies that want to produce these breakthroughs want to be more efficient more effective you know if we're drilling oil how do we be more innovative than even exxon and mobile and all these other ones how do we create our own way of doing things because we have the intellectual capital we have the brain power to do it but we just need a platform that so it can like fully run like a thoroughbred horse. Yeah. Instead of depending on someone else, if you look at the oil industry, only uh, the, the oil industry only nine percent of their employees are Black Americans. But it makes sense, right? Because if you're drilling oil, the, the lowest paying dudes are making like 40, 50 bucks an hour, man. So who yeah. can give it to your brother-in-law who who's taking care of your sister or some dude you don't know? Yeah, so, definitely brother-in-law. Right, exactly, exactly. Or some guy you went to school with, you know. So these are conversations. And I, so I, I, I thought if I could say last word that would be really valuable to people would be this is the mindset. And it relates to the last word you asked me to give, which is people may believe what I just said about economic power is impossible. But that's where you need to start questioning is that is the thought of it being impossible? Is it accurate or did you learn that from music and movies, and education system and wherever else? Did you learn it from somewhere else? And did you really check to make sure it's not just some limiting belief? Yeah, that's solid. Thank you. Thank you, man. Hey, you're welcome. My pleasure. Well, all right, guys. Um, that's the end of the episode, man. Again, I had Ted Santos, guys, man. Definitely check him out. Get his book. Um, man, this guy definitely gave a whole bunch of games. So, you guys, if you have to, go back and listen to this conversation again. But, guys, that's the end of the episode, and we're going to get out of here. Peace. Take care. Bye. If you're a supporter of our podcast, then you'll love our newsletter. Every week, we give you a sneak peek in the upcoming episodes and the guests that we have featured. 
And we also let you know about exciting live events that we have planned for the future. So if you're looking to stay up to date on everything going on in the world of the Black Wealth Media podcast, be sure to go in the show notes and subscribe to our newsletter today. All right, guys, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for sticking around. If you guys really enjoyed this show, please leave a five-star review and share this with a friend, family member, or coworker. And if you guys have any suggestions as far as what to talk about on the show and who review, please email us at blackwolfmedia18 at gmail.com. Again, our email is blackwolfmedia18 at gmail.com. Thank you, guys. Until next time.